Joining us right now, the esteemed Dr. Michael Osterholm from the University of Minnesota, epidemiologist and has served as White House advisor. Welcome back to the show, doctor. There's still a high level of COVID transmission, according to the CDC. How does this new wave impact particularly people of color and economically challenged communities that have struggled with this virus? Good morning. Good morning, Freddie. It's always good to be with you. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. Appreciate it. Uh, well, the important message is that COVID is not done, and that uh, here in Minnesota over the course of the past uh, eight weeks, we've seen that big surge of cases, and that, uh, unfortunately, we've had a number of deaths and averaging, you know, 25 to 100 to 3,000 cases a day. Um, unfortunately, also, we still have gaps in getting vaccine to particularly communities of color, uh, and and to those who do not necessarily have a medical home, they don't have a routine clinic, they don't have a routine doctor or nurse that they see, and so we continue to need to get vaccine to that group, and and they have been disproportionately uh, hit hard by this most recent surge. So I think the message is, you know, over and over again, please get vaccinated. Uh, if you don't, this virus will find you, and unfortunately, we will continue to see. Uh, these these increased numbers of cases, particularly in in uh, the BIPOC community in general. Everyone, we're talking with Dr. Michael Osterholm this morning. You mentioned some time back, uh, I think I heard it a couple days ago, the possibility, sir, of a fifth wave of COVID-19. On what is this prediction based? You've been correct on about every assertion I've heard you make in the last yeah, year and a yeah. half. What is this based on? <laughs> well, you know, Freddie, we still have 65 million Americans who could be vaccinated who are not. And that is more than enough uh, human wood for this coronavirus forest fire to burn. And so what we've seen happen throughout the world, where basically we don't get a large proportion of our population vaccinated, we see these surges. Some countries are now in their fifth surge where cases go up and they come down. Now, we don't really understand why they suddenly start to increase or why they suddenly start to decrease. We do know that the level of vaccination has a lot to do with how big that peak of cases happens to be. So in that sense, we have a lot of impact on that surge. So why I'm concerned yet is we still have a sizable number of people who are not vaccinated, uh, you know, the 65 million in the country alone. That's a lot of people to still get infected. So, you know, we can very reasonably expect that we could see another surge of cases, you know, this winter, for example. But we can do a lot about that if we get people vaccinated. So what about the people who've already been vaccinated that we didn't have uh, vaccinated at this rate at this time last year as we're going into the winter season? Wouldn't that say that uh, it would not be as difficult this winter? It would be, uh, but the problem is, is that when these surges occur, even if they uh, impact only 10 or 20 percent of the population, mm -hmm. you still have a terrible, terrible problem. I mean, you can still see the number of cases in hospitals, the overrun hospitals, and so we still have enough to have another surge where we could see uh, just tremendous challenges in our communities, you know, many, many ill people and many people die. And so, you know, until we even get well into the 90 percent level of people protected, this virus will find you. And so, you know, we're, we're making progress. Gang, and you hit the nail right on the head when you said that, in fact, a year ago, we were not nearly as good a shape as we are now. And despite that, look what happened with these, you know, the surge of cases last January, February, and March. Look what happened with 
you know, July, August, September, October in this country. And, you know, we're ripe to have another one of those surges if we don't continue to get people vaccinated. So please, if you're hearing this and you think, ah, it's not going to affect me now, I can't tell you how many families I've dealt with in the last uh, two or three months where they thought it would never happen to them. And now mom or dad or grandpa, grandma, or even their children are no longer with us. Dr. Michael Holm, uh, Michael Osterholm with the CDC director, Rochelle Walensky says it's okay to mix and mask uh, boosters. Seems like there are two things. We've got the unvaccinated, and then we have the people who have been vaccinated. Now they're waiting for boosters. Mixing, matching, Fauci uh, says one thing, Walensky says another. But I think you have an interesting take on boosters and how we should proceed. Yeah. Well, f- first of all, I think we are all on the same page. Remember, we're learning here. This is... Uh evolving science in that, uh, you know, when these vaccines first came forward in in the research phase, there were two buckets of issues we had to deal with. One was safety, and that we've asked and answered. We've had hundreds of millions of people vaccinated around the world, and we know that these vaccines are very safe. But the question for the second bucket was, how do we best use these vaccines? What should be the dose? How, How What should be the dose spacing? How many doses? Uh, when do you give it? And that we're still learning about how best to use them, and this is what I call evolving science. Mm-hmm. And what we now have come to realize is that all along we probably should have considered the mRNA vaccines, both the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines, as being three-dose vaccines right out of the chute. The same thing is true with J&J. We should have assumed that J&J was going to be a two-dose vaccine. And that's what we're learning now. So when we talk about these boosters, we're saying that you know, just as childhood immunizations, where you get multiple doses of a vaccine before you're considered fully protected, that that's what has been, is happening here. And so we want people to get those additional doses. But as you pointed out, there's also this other group that we are not at all ignoring, and that is getting people vaccinated the first time. So our job is to do both. And, you know, we can do that. We can, we can do both at the same time, get people vaccinated for the first time, trying to cut through all the disinformation that's out there about all the things that you know have been said about these vaccines that are just simply not true. They just scare people. Uh, what scares me is not about getting the vaccine, it's about getting COVID and dying from that. Wow. So l- let me understand this. So if you have Johnson & Johnson, you're suggesting that there are two more uh, doses that need to be administered. Is that correct? One more, one more, one more, just one more. You get a total of two for J&J and a total of three for uh, Pfizer or Moderna. So Got thank it. you for uh, for, for uh, asking that question. So we're, we're perfectly clear. And for the J&J people, anybody who's had the vaccine for uh, had at least two months ago or more can get a dose right now, anybody. And for the Pfizer and Moderna, you can get it if it was six months ago. And basically, if you're over 65 or if you have underlying health conditions that predispose you to more serious disease or you're in a public setting, you know, an essential worker where you might be exposed, you all can get your third dose now, the mRNA vaccines right now. By Thanksgiving, do you believe that children between 5 and 11 could be approved for vaccine? I will say next week. Next week? <laughs> I think it's going to happen next week. Yep, I think next week we'll see it. All right. So should parents start making uh, adjustments now, uh, setting up appointments yes. now? Absolutely. And I think the thing that's important here is contact your doctor or nurse or whoever you routinely get your shots with for your kids, Okay. Uh, you know, it may be a community clinic, it may be a family practice clinic, it may be a pediatric office, wherever you get your shots normally for your kids, 
the effort's going to be made once this vaccine's available is to get it to those groups. So we're not asking kids to go sit in large convention centers or to, you know, to be in places that we did the adults. And we want to be able to do the kids in their what we call medical home. So, um, yeah, as soon as the word comes out, which I believe will be early next week at the latest, uh, that um, kids from 5 through 11 can get vaccinated, please do. Also, please get your kids vaccinated 12 to 17. This is a group that's already been approved, and we were still seeing in many parts of the country less than half the kids getting vaccinated. And so we urge you to do that for two reasons. One is, while the disease occurs less frequently in terms of severe disease in these kids, it is true that, that there still is serious disease and deaths. But the other thing is, is that oftentimes kids serve as the source of the virus for grandpa or grandma or mom and dad, who even if they're vaccinated, it may not be fully protected because of their immune-compromised condition. And when that happens, there's nothing worse than a child bringing the virus home to grandma and grandpa, and they get seriously ill or even die. So please get your kids vaccinated. Finally, you've made, and I mentioned it earlier, you've made some incredible predictions. Can you make a prediction on when you think this virus, this pandemic of both the vaccinated and the unvaccinated will be over? Boy, Freddie, if I had that, I I would be uh, in Las Vegas right now. Uh, you know, every morning I wake up, uh, you know, I try to scrape the five inches of mud off my crystal ball and take a look. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we have to remember this is a global pandemic, worldwide epidemic. And so what happens around the world also impacts us here. One of the things we're very concerned about with this virus is how frequently it mutates. Every time it reproduces itself, it's like another throw at the genetic roulette table. And when these mutations occur, in some instances, they make the virus more infectious or they make the virus so that uh, it may not be as uh, the vaccines and and having immunity from having been infected are as as protective as they once were. And so if we continue to see cases around the world, and remember, take a country like Africa or a continent like Africa, only 3% of the population of Africa has been vaccinated to date. So we've got to make a major global effort to get people vaccinated. And when that happens, then we have a better chance of saying, okay, we've moved past this one. It's over with. We're not nearly as worried about these new mutations occurring that could impact on our own vaccine successor in the United States. So we've got a ways to go yet, which people don't want to hear. But that's the truth. Thank you for being with us, Dr. Michael Olsterholm. Hope to talk again soon. Always enjoy it. It's always good to be with you. Same here. Thank you, sir. Thanks, sir. See you later, Freddie. Take care. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.